Uh, good morning. Welcome. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you uh, again spent, chose to spend your Sunday, some of your Sunday with us. Uh, we teach in a series of on series on a topic, and our topic that we started two weeks ago is what makes you happy. Today's it's called peace with God. If you missed one of those or want to catch up on one of those. Um, I told the first service they had to catch up on last week. They didn't know the answer to the second question. So I hope you guys will do better. Um, but they're on our, uh, the audios are online. All right. So we always start out with a couple of review questions. So we'll start off that way this morning. So week one, we asked the question, what makes you happy? And the answer was? No thing. Good job. You guys don't have to go back and listen to week one. No thing. So it's more about who's than what's. It's more about a who or two. Uh, it's more about relationships than things. Uh, our society tends to kind of, especially advertising, that, hey, this will make you happy. Buy this car, buy these clothes, etc. But the reality is, happiness is more about people than things. And then last week, we got a second answer. Who knows the answer to what makes you happy from last week? Hey, good job. I didn't get much of a response in the first service at all. Uh, you didn't want to have to listen to it again, did you? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, sewing. We explained to you that happiness, well, is not something that you can pursue, that you can grab, that you can say, I'm going to be happy right now. Happiness is an outcome. Happiness is not immediately accessible. The good news is, our hope is, if you're not happy now, you can do things now that will make you happy later or eventually. Uh, the downside is you may, be doing, you may be happy now, but you may be doing things, planting seeds of unhappiness, and you know, days from now, weeks from now, you won't be happy. It isn't because of what you were doing then, it's because of what you're doing now. So it's about sowing, and we're going to talk about the rest of the series, ways to sow, and consequently then reap happiness. When we're not happy, we tend to do have this idea, we just go find a new thing to make us happy. A new car, some new clothes, a new activity, a new place to visit. So unfortunately, sometimes a new person. Um, and uh, the reality is, is it, it's not. Now, there is one thing, we said this week one, there is one thing that happy people have, but it's not a thing thing. It's not a concrete thing. And that thing is peace. They're at peace with uh, themselves, first and foremost. They're happy or contented in their own skin. Um, they may not be as handsome. All you, all, all you folks are beautiful and handsome, but they might be as beautiful and handsome as you are, yet they are at peace. And you may work really hard to be as handsome as you are, or beautiful as you are. And, but they're at peace. They may not make as much money as you are, but they're just at peace. In fact, you look at their circumstances, you think, how could they be? Because they don't have as nice things, they don't have maybe as nice good relationships, etc. But they're just at peace with themselves. Uh, they're also often at peace with others. They don't hold grudges, they're not unforgiving, they're not bitter, they're not resentful. And again, you look at them and sometimes you think, you know, they were abused by their parent. When, as a child, they were abused by someone or abused by a spouse in their present life. And yet, they seem okay. Uh, they seem at peace. And you, you think, yeah, uh, I wouldn't be in your circumstances or I wouldn't be as forgiving as you. 
but they're at peace with themselves, at peace with others, and often we can't say categorically 100% they're at peace with God, but most people that are at peace are at peace with God, and that's our topic for today. And the reason why this is so important is this. Peace with God paves the way to peace with ourselves and equips us to make peace with others. Let me explain a little bit. If you're not at peace with yourself, you're probably dealing with issues from your past. And you can't get past your past. Um, you can't forgive yourself. Once you experience God's forgiveness and you realize that He forgives you of all your past, it gives you the ability, the opportunity, the strength to forgive yourself. Deal with your past and forgive yourself. Once you're at peace with yourself, you don't want to be at peace, with, you want to be at peace with others around you. Most people that aren't at peace with others around them aren't at peace with themselves. So once you're at peace with yourself, you want peace externally. You want peace with the people you're in relationship with. And so now that you're at peace with God and peace with yourself, it gives you again the capability or equips you to be at peace with others. Now, <clears throat> I've told you all before that I kind of live by the golden rule. Problem is when I do that sometimes, I talk to people and I look at their situation and they say, yeah, I'm living by the golden rule, but I'm looking at them and saying, but you aren't treating other people like I think you want to be treated. And sometimes people deceive themselves. Sometimes people just, I don't know, a little strange. So it's always dangerous to edit the Bible or edit what Jesus said. But I'm going to try and attempt to do that. But I think the Bible, in fact, I know the Bible actually teaches this. It's just not written in there. So this is a version of the golden rule. Do for others as your heavenly Father through Jesus has done for you. Now, there's no confusion there, right? So can, well, if you're a Jesus follower, this is a requirement. You don't have options about this. Now, if you're not a Jesus follower, we are delighted that you're here with us checking, it, checking, checking some things out. Uh, we'd love to have a conversation with you when that opportunity comes up. But this is a place you're welcome uh, with all your doubts and all your questions. But if you're a Jesus follower, we have to live this way. So can you be unforgiving to somebody? Can you? <laughs> Sometimes we are, but we can, we're not supposed to, right? Because God has forgiven us. Can you be unloving? Not supposed to be, because God loves you. Can you be, talked about this last week, can you be unmerciful? No, God's merciful to you. Can you be ungracious to people? <laughs> no, not, that's not an option as you're Jesus follower, because God has been gracious to you. So do unto others as God has done for you. And that will bring a lot more peace to your life. Now, if we're talking about peace with God, there's an assumption, right? There must be some kind of War, some kind of conflict that needs to be resolved so that you can have peace with God. Now, we're going to look at this from two aspects this morning. This conflict comes in the, in the, in the broader sense, the worldly sense of sin as a broad concept. And then it also, uh, um, we need to address it as it becomes personal for us, for our sin. So let's start with the broader concept of sin. The best way to understand this is to think about the nation you were born in. Uh, Bell, you out there? All right. 
I know there's at least one person that was not born in the United States. Now, I have one of these. Uh, it says, this is my passport. It has this picture of a, a young, good-looking guy in it because this was 10 years old. <laughs> All right? Um, we got this 10 years ago. We went on our 30th anniversary trip. We actually went to Madeira Island. And as most of you know, in October, we're going to France. But anyway, so it expires just after that. I have to get a new one. But this says that I'm a citizen, I was born, uh, born, most likely born, but I am definitely a citizen of what country? United States. Uh, not all of you are, maybe you are now, but at one time you were born somewhere else. Anybody else besides Bell born in another country? Where's my son? There he is. He was born in Portugal. And for 18 years he was able to be a dual citizen of Portugal and the United States. At 18, he had to decide, and so he is a U.S. citizen because he was born, he was US, born to U.S. Par parents, even though he's in another country. So, I am a citizen of the United States of America, as most of you, if not all of you are. <clears throat> now, that's true, but it's not necessarily fair because did I get to choose to be born in the United States? No, I, I didn't get to choose that. <clears throat> Uh, if I had a choice, I probably would, but there's billions of people in the world that didn't get that choice, right? And some of them, in fact, some of them are trying <laughs> to get into our country. <clears throat> so something can be absolutely true and unfair at the same time, right? It's unfair that I got the privilege of being born in the United States, but it's true. Same thing with most of you. Now, with the privileges of being born in the United States also comes the consequences of being born in the United States. And one of the consequences of being born in the United States is you probably can't speak more than one language. Belle speaks two languages, but she wasn't born in the United States. We lived in Portugal, most of you know, as missionaries. <clears throat> and one of the fascinating things when you live overseas is you find out people from most of the parts, lots of parts, other parts of the world, they speak other languages. My wife had this friend, she was from northern Africa someplace, I forget what language she spoke, but she married a guy, an engineer from France, and that's why they, his job was in Portugal, that's why he was in Portugal, and she spoke perfect English with us. Three languages. Not a big deal to people in other countries. One reason is because European countries are like the size of states here. So it's kind of like you speak uh, Boston and you can speak <laughs> uh, Alabama. Uh, but they're actually two different languages, not, not just ac uh, dialects or, or um, what do you call that? Yeah, accents, I guess. So there are consequences as well as benefits to being born in the United States. <clears throat> now, again, no choice. I had absolutely no choice being born in the United States. So, the Bible, we're going to look at this. The Bible says that you, all of us were born into another nation. And we call that nation the nation of sin. And we'll explain that in a minute. So, all of us were born in the nation of sin. We have a passport that says sin on it, all right? And a birth certificate that says sin on it. We didn't have any choice about that. Uh, we are naturally sin, sinners. So, we're going to look at something Paul wrote. Paul... Um, wrote about 25 years after Jesus. He didn't really meet Jesus, uh, not <laughs> in a normal way. And he did a lot of writing and he did a lot of um, explaining 
uh, of theology or stuff that Jesus taught. And I love writings of Paul because he's a logical thinker. He gets a little complicated sometimes, but he, he, he follows the logic. And if, he, if you can follow the logic with him, I said, ah, that makes all this sense. So he's going to explain to us this concept of being born into the nation of sin. This is in a, in a letter he wrote to a church in Rome. When Adam sinned, now most of us that are Jesus followers believe there was an original Adam and Eve. If you don't want to believe that, that's fine. Somewhere back along the <laughs> uh, thousands of years ago, uh, this happened, okay? Adam sinned, sin entered the world. So before that, there wasn't sin. That's kind of a cool concept to think about. In fact, we were talking about a little bit of breakfast um, yesterday. Um, at one time, there wasn't sin. So the, so the world was different, a lot different. Uh, Adam's sin brought death. So before that, before there was sin, there wasn't death. Now, death means separation. We talked about this a lot. It, physically, we're separated from our loved ones, but we're also separating our body from our spirit. So sin separates, or sin, sin brings death. And death spread to everyone. Everyone dies. That's a, not rocket science. Everybody knows that. The reason everyone dies is, though, because everyone sinned. And it's natural to us. If you've got a small child, you don't have to teach them to do wrong, right? What do you have to teach them to do? To do right. Naturally, we do wrong. We sin. That's our nature now because we're born into the kingdom, the nation of sin. So, God created everything we see, created all of us, but he didn't create sin. He created choice. And somewhere back on the line, Adam or whoever sinned, chose to, and by sin we do the wrong thing or do a harmful thing or do a thing they shouldn't do. And then the result of that is death or death or separation. And so you may experience the death of a relationship. You may be experiencing death to your health. Uh, anything that you, you and I do that causes harm to us or other people. So you were born, and I was born into the wrong country, if you will. We were born in this country of sin. Now... <clears throat> Back years ago, and they're still probably around, uh, in church we had a lot of these, these little booklets that we called tracks. And some of these were great, some of them were horrible, some of them were offensive, etc. But one of my favorites had an illustration that help, hopefully helps you, helps me understand this whole idea. And here it is. <clears throat> all of us, all your cute little children and all your future little children are born into the kingdom of sin. All right? We just are. No choice about it. None of us had a choice. We're all born there. And we, the problem is God's over there. <laughs> the kingdom of God is over there. And there's this gulf that we can't jump or fly over or get across. All right? Now, most of these tracks would then put a cross in there so you, you can walk from the kingdom of sin to the kingdom of God by, by going through Jesus, uh, which is pretty cool too, but... What we want to focus on this morning is that God's kingdom over there and we're in the kingdom of sin. All right? Now, 
If I act like I belong over there, do I belong over there? If I learn another language, does that make me, if I learn Portuguese, does that make me Portuguese? Didn't make me Portuguese. I lived there for a few years, but it didn't make me Portuguese. So that's what we call that religion, when sinful people try and act like they belong over there. But you can't get over there by acting. It doesn't work. So how do you get into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of righteousness? So we're going to see here in a minute, kingdom of, of, of light. How do you get over there? Well, Jesus was talking to a guy by the name of Nicodemus one day, and he said, hey, you need to be born again. And Nicodemus says, how can I do that? I can't enter into my mother's womb, and, and that's kind of gross anyway. Uh, how, how, how do you do that? And he said, oh, well, you don't understand. It's spiritual, right? All right. So just as you are born into sin, you, the kingdom of sin, you have to be born into the kingdom of God. So we call that being born again. So here Paul's going to explain a little bit in another letter he wrote uh, so to church in Colossae, Colossians. For he, God, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of sin. He's rescued us from this one over here. And transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. So, how do we get from here to there? Is it by our actions, by uh, what we do or what we don't do? No. <laughs> the only way to get over there is through a free gift. We call it grace gift. And consequently, you have to be born again. Because to be a citizen of that kingdom, you have to be born into that kingdom. So that makes logical sense to me anyway. So then back to Romans. Paul is talking again about this. He says, therefore... Since we've been made right in God's eyes, God's eyes got to go from the kingdom of sin to the kingdom of righteousness or, or God. We are made right in God's sight by what? Faith. All right, so that's uh, faith in this free gift. We have, and there it is, what, what do we have? You can't say it. Peace with God. Peace with God. This is how we get it. It's not by acting, but it's by faith they get to have peace with God and it's because of what Jesus Christ has done for us <clears throat> now most of us are thinking I'm not that good <laughs> I'm not that good to get in that kingdom I still mess up I you know I'm unkind sometimes I'm unforgiving sometimes I have some bad habits that I haven't gotten, gotten over yet but the point is it's not about behavior doesn't get you over there Good behavior or bad behavior doesn't keep you out of there. It is by being born into that kingdom. So then we have access to God. So we can have peace with God. And then he goes on, next verse, he says this. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Do you or I deserve to be a child of God? a dweller of the kingdom of God, to be in the kingdom of righteousness or the kingdom of light? Do we deserve that? No. But it's a gift. And if you've been born again, if you're a Jesus follower, you accepted the gift. If you're not, that's the only difference between you and I is that you haven't accepted the gift. It's nothing to do with behavior. So if you're a Jesus follower, that's where we now stand. We stand over there in that kingdom. And we confidently and joyfully, you're talking about joy, happiness, peace, Look forward to sharing God's glory. So that's the general concept of sin. But what about your sin and my sin? The conflict that deals with our sin. 
That's the next slide. <laughs> oh, the screen went blank. We had this problem last week. If you were here. That's all right, I have my cheat sheet over here. <laughs> all right, the best way to understand concept, there it's back, concept of your sin is to think about the family you grew up in. Now again, did you get the choice to choose the family you grew up in? No, you didn't get the choice, right? Now, somewhere along the line, more or less probably in middle school, I mean, you're pretty much at peace with your family up until then, but as about teenage years, all of a sudden there's this big conflict between you and your parents, right? And for some of you, it seems like it went on the whole teenage years, right? So you have this conflict. Now, you want to do something your parents wouldn't let you, then you got mad at them because they wouldn't let you. And you say, I'd be happy if they would just let me do this. Now, your parents, on the other hand, had to decide, am I going to continue to be at peace with my kids, my teenagers, or am I going to choose to tell them no because I know what's best for them? And so as a parent, one of the things you hate to do is to be, not be at peace with your kids. But you can't let them do things that will be detrimental to them. One way of saying it in our relationship with God is this way. God loves, God's love is too strong to simply go along. So as a parent, you just don't, I don't want to, kids don't want to brush your teeth. That's not, I, I love you too much to let you not brush your teeth. Uh, take a bath. I love you too much not to uh, have you do your homework. I love you too much to not let you play with or let you hang out with those those, those people that wouldn't be a good influence on you. I love you too much. Even though it's going to disrupt our peace. Now, it's hard to understand God. In fact, we can't understand God. He's beyond our comprehension. I'm glad. I don't want a God I can comprehend. I want somebody bigger than me. So Jesus says, here, let me help you. One of the best ways you can understand God is to think about God this way. He said, think of him as being your perfect Heavenly Father. Not your father, like you fa- wished your father was, okay? Perfect father. So, he always has your best interest at heart. <clears throat> and so, consequently, when we are unhappy, it's when we disobey. Or we go against what is, is best for us. And God says, I paid a high price for this. My son died so that you could have a relationship with me. So John, who hung out with Jesus, one of his closest friends, and he lived to be, have a long life. And so he gets into his life, he's kind of frank, more frank like some older people are. You don't care anymore. And so as we read what John writes, he's going to be a little offensive. So I'm just going to uh, warn you ahead of time. He's talking about this conflict that we have with God. So this is in what we call First John. So there he goes. He calls you a liar. Calls me a liar. So you're lying if you say we have fellowship or peace with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. And you're going to pay. I'm going to pay when we are disrupting our relationship with God. So if God wants A and I do B, I lose my peace. I lose my happiness. If God wants me to go here and I go there, I lose my happiness. So then later on in the letter, he writes this. 
This is one of my favorite verses. If you've been around here for a while, you know. Such love, God's love for us, has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. So when you have fear, you have anxiety, you have worry, they all, it's all fear. It's because you are not experiencing completely God's love. If we're afraid, it was for fear of punishment. And if you're a Jesus follower, you, God will not punish you. Why? Because he punished all your punishment landed on Jesus. So he can't punish you for something that's already been punished for. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. And then he goes on again and gets a little uh, offensive. If someone says, I love God, but hates his fellow believer, that person is, again, a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. And see the logic here? (laughs) One of our struggles with God is we can't see him. You know, I can't love you that I can see, then I certainly can't love God that I cannot see. So, So, let's sum it up this way. Peace with God begins with faith in Jesus. Peace with God begins with faith in Jesus. Faith is best explained this way. It's putting your weight on. I am putting my faith in this stool will hold up my weight. And it gets easier as I sit on it because I've experienced it. The same thing with us as Jesus follows. The more I trust God, I put my faith in God and He sustains me, He holds up my weight, then it's easier the next time. I don't think about it so much. So peace with God begins with faith. <clears throat> and peace with God is sustained by submission to Jesus. So it's kind of like this, if you're a Jesus follower, when you wake up in the morning, say, yes, Jesus, what do you want me to do? What do we usually do? What do you want me to do? Uh, let me decide if I want to do that. No, no, no. <laughs> if you want to have peace, you say, yes, Jesus, what's the question? Because if you don't, it costs you and me our peace. So let me end with these two questions. Have you made peace with God? Have you stepped across the line? Have you been born again? Have you been born into the kingdom of God? All of us have been born in the kingdom of sin. Let me kind of finish up with this illustration. When we lived in missionaries in Portugal, we were there for maybe six months. My wife uh, had the kids shopping, and I was in the apartment, and she calls me up and she said, I've lost Josh. Now, he was about seven, maybe, at this time. And so, only, the only people can understand this is if you've lost your child sometime. The, the panic that sets in. Now, the Portuguese are great. They close their shops and help to look for him. But anyway, <clears throat> this before cell phones, Deb calls me and says, I lost Josh. All right? And so I'm wondering what to do. And then all of a sudden, Josh walks in our apartment. It was, I don't know, three blocks away. So I take Josh and drive down there. And so then everything was, everything was good. So were, were Deb and I mad at Josh at this point? What were, what were we experiencing? What were we feeling? Joy or relief, right? <laughs> right. Okay. So if you are not a Jesus follower and you're separated from God, God is not mad at you. You're lost. We even use that terminology. You're lost. And God wants you to be found. And it would be a sense of relief. So as I pray this morning, we're going to give you the opportunity to to step across that line and do that. Most of us are Jesus followers, so the second question is for us. Are you at peace with God? 
You made with peace with God somewhere in your past. My wife did it at a church camp. I did it walking down the aisle at church. But are you at peace with God? That means are you, are you submissive? Are you being obedient? Or is there some area of your life that you're saying, God, I know you want this, but I'm going to do that. So we're going give, to give, also give you the opportunity uh, to make peace with God. Uh, to turn that over. Say yes, say yes to God instead of no to God. All right, so we'll pray and then we'll have one song and then we'll let you go. Uh, thank you, Jesus, uh, for what you've done for us because you've bridged that gap so we can be born into the kingdom of God and have be peace with God, have, not be separated. So we want to pray for anyone here this morning that is still separated from you. It grieves you as it grieved us when we lost our, our less, my, my wife as we lost <laughs> Josh years ago. It bring great joy and, 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 and relief uh, to have you be reconnected with your Heavenly Father. And most of us, God, are Jesus followers, and we may have some areas of our lives that, that, that are disrupting our peace. And the simple question is, why would we refuse peace? Why would anybody do that? Peace with God initially or peace with God continually? So God, I just pray that each of us would walk out of here with peace, which means we walk out of here with happiness. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.